When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. News team, assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and George. For the unofficial 40 podcast for the Soonerscoop.com crew. As, uh, yeah, I'm a big voice guy. Uh, we will get that. That's on my to do list, uh, as well as getting George Keys to all the, the water room, basically, too. Um, but no, we've, uh, we've got a lot going on. It is uh, preseason football. We've uh, had two media sessions this week. We're here recording on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and uh, you'll be listening to this on Wednesday, I'm sure, but uh, hopefully nothing massive breaks uh, in the time that we put up the pod and uh, the end of practice today. But uh, the guys are all here. Josh is here. Uh, he's getting ready for a little vacay. I don't know if you want me to say that uh, because we know the board will hammer you for always being on vacation. But um, So we're doing a little bit early, though. Josh's vacation gets you a little bit of an early pod, which is nice. Uh, I also feel like... I have some some office business that I need to put out there here at the beginning, and, and I'm not going to attack George. I swear, he's I'm he's prepared. been pretty good. I mean, since the trash incident, I bought a new watch. You did make me proud by buying a new watch, and it's a good looking <laughs> watch. So, what's the office attack? Like, what's the? Well, it, is, this does happens this separately. It, it involves you and Eddie. This happens separately, um, and it had to do with me having to kind of redo the office stuff. Uh, and I'll explain that. Like the reason I had to redo it is because the audio stuff is a lot more involved than I initially planned it to be. Uh, so that we can have audio going from room to room and studio to studio. So I just needed to redo it. It's all done now. Uh, I think there's six cables I have to plug in and I'm done. Uh, and I just got them from Amazon today. So, uh, anyway, we're sitting in here talking about all this stuff and, uh, George just looks at me. It's a very, I mean, like I think about this, like it's not any, you weren't out of bounds and asking the question. You know what I'm getting ready to, to talk about? I have no idea. <laughs> so George says, what happens if you die? Oh yeah. And I thought, our ma- it's our master plan, Josh. I think that it just goes to the master plan. <laughs> well, and what George, he's referring Jesus, to is, don't put a light on it. <laughs> and he's saying like, Who's going to hook shit up if you die? And who's going to run well, things a, if you die? There's because a lot of wires. YouTube is, by the way, you two are killing it on YouTube right now. Uh, and it's a very small portion of what we're going to be. So the little bit that we're doing now, everybody's loving. And the, the comments on YouTube, like, there are some bad ones, but, you know, from time to time. But generally, it's been overwhelmingly positive, which I didn't think any social media could be that way anymore. The response has been very good, and I, I think it's something that we're pretty excited about doing, uh, you know, maybe biweekly or weekly for sure uh, throughout the season. And, yeah, and expanding it, it, on it. You yeah, know, Josh will have his uh, you know, well, features on there. Obviously, we'll yeah. keep doing them. But, yeah. yeah. 
It's going to be fun. <laughs> so messed up. George, I don't think you want to go there because I sit in another room and listen to your ticks, and I know exactly what they are, right? I'm so paranoid about now saying obviously, and uh, my entire clothing (laughs) is uh, done. Like I I felt like I dressed pretty well, but yeah, I'm going to have to go to Peter Millar and uh, basically yeah, spend comments the entire like, paycheck. My, my, those comments were kind of like, oh, crap, am I going to have to start buying clothes for these guys now? I got a lot of uh, well, George looks good, too, though. If there's, a, uh, if there's an outfitter out there, if there's anybody that works with Peter Millar uh, that listens to the podcast, yeah, give please us contact shout, me. Yeah. Please contact me. That would be fantastic. And we might even do a deal, just trade in product. Or Oak Tree National, if they just want to let me come out and have like just a... Just go to uh, town? Yeah, like a little buyer Austin? spree. What about Jimmy Austin? Uh, I like Jimmy Austin, but they have a bunch of... yeah. I, a lot of OU logos on stuff. Yeah, and I I don't usually do that. So yeah. I like the, I do. like some of the Jimmy Austin stuff that they have. I don't think that they have very much Peter Millar, though. Is Cutter and Buck still around? I haven't even looked at golf clothing I mean, in a long Cutter, time. Cutter and Buck is definitely still around. Are they around. like the lower level now? Because they used to be like way up there. It's, I think it's more ironic now if you have it. <laughs> Which That's is just a, like, the like it's a berry tour. Well, I mean, yeah, I, it's. I would say that like if you found it like a badass vintage Cutter and Buck shirt, I would be interested in it. But I don't know if it's necessarily something that I would go out. Resonates and, with the the youngers, right. the youngs these days. Right. So anyway, yeah, George is like, "What if you die?" I'm like, "Well, you know, George, I have thought about that. Like, we need to start, you know, teaching everybody how to do certain things." Um, and, you know, Eddie will eventually learn all the stuff. I mean, he's got, I mean, I've been building him his own little workspace room so he can edit things and, and I can edit things with him. Uh, and then just unprompted, I'm sitting here and I ask Eddie, I said, you know, George asked me, like, what if I die? Like, what are you guys going to do with the office? And your answer <laughs> shocked me. Point blank. Uh, and made me laugh. Point blank. Which is? Josh and I would sell everything. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd split the profit and uh, it would just we be would a, move along. It would just be a, a, a yard sale, basically. I, I think that like if if you hadn't died and then you found out that we sold everything and then just found out that we were shooting everything on like an iPhone 13, <laughs> that would kill you. That would absolutely kill that you. That would kill that me. would and even in uh, I don't think that Josh would allow that to happen. Even in heaven, this I think is that his that, money too that's been spent. <laughs> sure. Well, that's why we're trying to recoup, to recoup some recoup of it. Yeah, of exactly. It. So that there, ooh, you know, there, I, there is no question that you have to know what you are, and I have to know that I can't run that, Carrie. There's no way on earth. So I think Eddie know, could, but to like dust. yeah, Eddie could. But here's Eddie. Like when you give Eddie something new, he just looks at it and goes, "I hate it." He's like Ron <laughs> Swanson. A little bit like he just does not like we've talked about this before. He doesn't like change at all. There's some truth in that, Eddie. I, I, I think you're a little oh, anti I'm, anything new. I'm not uh, I'm not saying that's wrong. I mean, I, I think that uh, yeah. I just like being a very kind of knowing but what's what you going do, on. You do really well. Like you can edit stuff really fast. You can get up video really fast. You because I know how to do video. everything. Right. Like I know all the like shortcuts and all that kind of stuff on the computer that I've already preset. Can we turn the fan on? Yeah. The remote's right next to your laptop there. Just uh, hit the power that's the absolutely the same. The the content that we've dragged over from the old site to here that I can pretty much do it the same way. There's no I like that hot board. I can do that in minutes, like just minutes. Now, the Grant Bricks breakdown still needs to be fixed. I uh, The formatting on that, I did not fix it properly, and it looked stupid, and I didn't realize it until last night, and I have just been running around, but I will... 
at some point we're going to talk basketball or something and I'll fix it. But, um, but yeah, like that, that's, I, I'm with Eddie. Like once I can find a rhythm in something, I really like doing it because it's very easy for me to keep, keep producing it the same way. And see, I'm the exact opposite of you two. Once I master something, I'm done. I'm like, did it moving on to something else. By the way, you I, will have to hire a network specialist if I die. There's no doubt about that. I think we'd have yeah. to hire a lot of yeah. different things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, different <laughs> positions that would become open at Sooner Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've got openings. Anyway, that's my uh, that's my office banter for the week. Um, it is uh, the Enjoy Vision Fresh Perspective look around. Uh, we have uh, someone with perfect vision here, uh, more so than any any of the rest. I know George has uh, inquired about possibly getting perfect vision. He probably needs it. Wow, standing out there at practice today. Hey, I saw practice just as well as you did. I think he saw practice better. Yeah, I was pointing out, guys. Well, Eddie's that's vision because was I was telling blocked. you the numbers. Also, we weren't watching practice. We were just yes. Oh yeah, we, we would were, never do something. I was like just that. staring yeah. off into uh, the oblivion. We're blocked by buses. I mean, technically we were. Yes. So that that yeah. is that is very true. That is very. They true. They park the buses right there where you can't just watch in the parking lot. So we don't watch anything. Um, no, but. Uh, Getting into that real quick. I mean, last two days we've had a lot of interviews. Um, we've second, been able to watch a, a, a second viewing. I know. I think Eddie, you spent more time kind of over on the defense. I've spent more time with the receivers because we didn't have a lot of receiver pictures. Um, I do have a ton of pictures I'll be releasing uh, and that we'll be using in editorial and stuff like that. But you've seen the videos. Um, just overall, today you got to talk to Dylan Gabriel. Talked to Jeff Levy yesterday. Uh, and a lot of other players, but let's talk about Dylan Gabriel real quick and just kind of your impressions from from what he had to say after practice. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's kind of, I guess, been a little bit of an under... I don't know about underlying theme by any means, but I do think that it's quite interesting that Oklahoma has a quarterback that's coming back for his second year in Norman. Uh, and, you know, Jeff Levy kind of started this when he was talking about during the, uh, the preseason interview session with all the coaches just as far as how close he was to becoming a top 10 all-time college passing quarterback. And, you know, I, I thought it was somewhat interesting. I, like, I didn't want to try and, like, get a gotcha type yeah. question, but I did ask him today that, you know, do you feel a little bit undervalued? Because anybody, all anybody wants to talk about around here is Jackson Arnold, and rightfully so. He's going to get a lot of the headlines, especially this early in camp. But... I did want to ask him, does he feel undervalued? I was expecting the answer that he gave us in that, you know, wins are the most important thing, team first, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I do think, you know, it's very interesting that he is a quarterback that has played a shit ton of football. And, you know, I think locally, I don't know about maybe nationally, it does feel like he's a little bit undervalued in what he's going to bring to uh, this offense moving forward with so many wide receivers that are unproven, with a tight end position group that seems like it has a bunch of question marks, maybe outside of Austin Sogner and just knowing who that is. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's all going to have to happen on Saturdays. He's obviously going to have to play well. I don't think anybody has gone back and said that he played extremely well at the beginning of the season last year. But if they can get the guy that, you know, as we've said throughout the, the entire offseason – they can get the guy that played, uh, you know, in Lubbock at times. Uh, and then, obviously, the guy that played in the Cheez-It Bowl. I think this offense can be pretty good. Well, and and I asked, like, Jalil Farouk yesterday, like, do you see a different version of Dylan Gabriel? And he was like, absolutely. Like, 
the uh, whatever it was in that bowl game, as you mentioned, it, it opened things up or made him more comfortable or made him take ownership. Like this is something that George and I have talked about. I, I think that just the idea of knowing that there wasn't another game on the schedule really helped out. It seemed like when they were able to run him and get him involved in the run game uh, and not being flooded from the pocket, I'm talking, you know, cold runs, it makes his life a lot easier. He wants to be able to do that. And I think, you know, with Jackson obviously somewhat, quote-unquote, ready to go, if he goes down, I think it it scared the shit out of everybody in that offensive meeting room when they saw what happened at the Cotton Bowl and they saw what happened in Fort Worth. Yeah, and I would say, too, it just seems like he's – He's he's aware of his shortcomings. Like he knows exactly where he needs to improve, and and maybe that's because he you know hasn't improved in some of those areas over the course of his career. But like the third and fourth down stuff, him talking about that and being more accurate there. I know I talked to Drake Stoops about it. Said Dylan's been really good about that and, and harping on those, and and they've been working on those. Sounds like more than they did a year ago. So I don't know. It's it's a few plays here, a few plays there that could make all the difference for him and and the offense next season. I just don't know. You know, and I don't know if we want to get into Doom Pod area, but like, is he going to just all of a sudden become a more accurate quarterback overnight? I don't think so. Uh, but can he complete a couple more passes on third and fourth downs in crucial situations? I think so. And some of that falls on Levy. I think a lot of times people just say, oh, well, well Dylan Gabriel needs to be better. I, I think some of the play calling could have been better last year. So, well, and to uh, be fair, there's not, I mean, JP Lossman is on staff, but he's not an assistant. They don't really have a quarterback yeah. coach. I mean, Levy was an offensive lineman when he did play, and then he got hurt and, and didn't finish his career. Uh, and I'm sure he's picked up a lot of things. You don't have to – I mean, like Kevin Sumlin was a guy that was a defensive player in college and became, you know, kind of an offensive guy uh, in, in college. So it's not necessary to play a position, to coach a position, but at the same time, you feel more comfortable when you got a guy like a, a Josh Heupel that's also your offensive coordinator that played the position. Yeah, and I wonder, if, can a Seth Luttrell – help with some of that because he seems like somebody yeah. that is coming and and again he's he's a I think his official title is just an offensive analyst but he's clearly working with the quarterbacks the most I mean he's always on Jeff Levy's hip so maybe somebody like that can help him along I think even just having Jackson be there helps him you know it pushes obviously competition helps you get better that's the cliche right but uh, I think he's also just a guy that um, you know, maybe can can help Dylan in, in certain areas and maybe help Dylan play a little bit more loose like Eddie was saying. Well, and every day we go out there, they're doing individual drills with the quarterbacks where they're making them move their feet and throw on the run and go, go to the right and go to their left. Like, they're always working on quarterback footwork. But I think what we saw a year ago is just in the pocket is where sometimes, I mean, I remember distinctly that Nebraska game, the broadcast crew pointing out, you know, his stance and, and how he was throwing the football and, and you know, at times he had too wide of a base and it, it, it caused him to, to be inaccurate. And, and that's the thing. It's like you can do all that, you know, throwing on the run and stuff. But where he struggled most was just, sit, you know, dropping back in the pocket, planting and throwing the football. There is a guy named Matt Holacek that's on the, uh, the mm-hmm. staff. And I actually talked to somebody at one of the summer camps, uh, you know, about a month ago. Uh, just and he worked a lot. He was one of the guys that was working a lot with Kevin Sperry when he was mm-hmm. here camping every weekend. And he has gotten a lot of, um, I guess, kind of praise for what he did uh, at Oxford yeah. at the, with the quarterback position and with Levy. And he obviously came over with Levy a year ago. Uh, I think that you know just another year working with him as well 
should pay dividends at some point. And, you know, Josh, I will get into the recruiting stuff in a moment, but I didn't even realize he's from Lee Summit, Missouri. That's at least what he says on his uh, Twitter page. So I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but uh, I would put that out there. Well, uh, we'll get more into practice observations. We're going to talk some recruiting with Josh uh, here at the beginning. But uh, first, the reason that we know so much about practice is because we have Eddie and he goes out there with his perfect vision. Uh, and if we're missing something, he's able to pick it up. Yeah, if I'm if I'm watching, that's that's usually the uh, the number one key there. And when I am watching, it's because I have perfect vision, and it's from Enjoy Vision. It's because of Enjoy Vision, which is the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City, and it's not even close. The combination of mind blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life changing for me. What they're doing for the U40 listener is they're giving four hundred dollars off LASIK. So if you're interested in possibly exploring, going through an exploratory phase with Perfect Vision, go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N-J-O-Y withme.com and use promo code U40. That is promo code U40 for $400 off. Enjoy Vision. This is where you LASIK. Josh, I got a uh, uh, thank you to Enjoy for being a uh, big part of the show. We appreciate them. Josh, I got, I don't, I, I mean, I will only imagine that this is your life a lot of the times, but I got a DM from somebody uh, upset because wanting to know why it was that OU did not recruit Breon Ramsey Brooks, a 455-pound offensive lineman that's a freshman at TCU. Uh, he went viral this week. He's going this viral week. this week. Uh, and, and there's a certain segment of OU fans that are like, why didn't OU recruit this guy? Just because he's 455 pounds. Like, that's not a bonus. Like, that's that's... That's too big to play football. He's he's not going to be able to play f- college football at that weight. Where do you get a jersey? I, I mean, that big? you're talking about losing a hundred pounds and still being an enormous human yes. being. Um, now, South Oak Cliff say, is where he went to high school. If if he can do that, he can be a really good football player. Like he is abnormally athletic for a human being that size. Because I've seen him at camps. Yep. He is. He's very talented. He's very good. He's a better athlete than you would think he is, but. But I mean, you're right. Like, and that's I, I talk about this all the time. Like, that's why I want to yeah. take. Yeah, that's why I want to take the guys that are 260 who are really good athletes, and I'm gonna bet my training staff and Jerry Schmidt and everybody else can put the weight and strength on they're gonna need, rather than trying to retrain a guy to eat healthy and take care of himself to a degree where he has to lose roughly 20 percent of his body to get to where I need him to be. And that's, I mean, that seems like a Sonny Dykes type move. Like, he's always kind of, you know, buck trends and done things that other people don't do. Like, you know, when they're at SMU and he made it all about transfer you and that stuff. Um, he's, he's gone a different path than a lot of people go. So I could see him being like, let's try it. Let's try and take the weight off of a guy that's clearly athletic. Well, and Florida had the guy last year that played a lot of football for them that was 420 pounds or something like that. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of it is these guys are just getting bigger. Like, I mean, and there's, there is, but there's a point to that where like you, not only are you endangering yourself, but like, how can I count on you in a day and age, especially like TCU, they're going to run up tempo. They may run. Uh, you know, 90 plays in a game. Do I really think that guy is going to hold up for 90 snaps? No way. No way. 
And so I, I just, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm a little leery of that. But again, if he can do the work, it's not crazy. That guy is a good football player. Um, he's not just like, oh, he's a viral sensation. He is legitimately a good football player, helped South Oak Cliff to two straight state titles and, you know, was a big part of both of those. So he's a good player, but at 455 pounds, like I was hoping he would show up at TCU at like 385 and you're like, okay, they're now. You well, he's know, clearly 50 gained. Pounds is he's gained quite ball. a bit of weight since you've seen him last, right? I mean, yes. I remember yes. when he was I, at that rivals camp, and, and the video mm-hmm. went viral from that. He he actually looked like a guy that was just you know some some good working out and healthy eating away from being you know 350 pounds. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, you know I went and looked, and he's listed at 400, which I have to assume is what he came in at that camp, uh, that Dallas camp, I guess. I uh, would have been spring of what twenty two? Is that right? I think. Am I so. doing that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, now he's another fifty pounds bigger than that, and he was already considerably overweight then. I mean, it's just, and it's not like a shaming thing. Like these guys are big, and some don't carry. Uh, guys, we watched Orlando Brown, who is not a pretty looking athlete, but is a. F- I mean, he's an outstanding football player. Like, and I stopped from dropping the f bomb. I saved carry that edit. But That's right. uh, he is unbelievably good. So it's not like he, you have to be a bodybuilder to be an offensive lineman, but you have to have some level of conditioning. And you'll never convince me at 450 pounds you're at the conditioning level you need to be at. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, guys, we sat there and watched Walter Rouse go up against Kanai Walker after Monday's practice. Like, just trying to get a speed guy to rush around the, you know, his side so he could, you know, you know, work on his footwork of getting outside. Like... But you look at Walter Rouse, and he gives me kind of some shades of Orlando Brown, just how massive he is as a person. And, like, he could easily be a guy that weighed 400 if he, you know, didn't, didn't take care of himself. He is a big guy. Like, I, Walter Rouse is a big guy as much as Ronda Bothroyd's a big guy. Like, it is noticeably different. And just uh, being out there at practice, the difference in size that they have on the offensive line as well as the defensive line. The defensive line is night and day, and I know that's something that George and I talked about uh, on one of the YouTube shows. Just it's, it's night and day different, and you know how that comes together obviously is going to be very, very interesting. Well, it, Josh, you know, back to recruiting for a sec, and, and we'll get back into Walter Rouse and, and what we saw at practice, but um, you talked to a commit this week that is an offensive lineman that basically was – Kind of pointing that out, like, OU has a lot of huge dudes, uh, and I kind of know my place. I, I love that quote from Josh Iasosa, the uh, the guy who committed on, uh, I believe it was Sunday, um, from Edmond Santa Fe. And, uh, you know, I just, I was talking to him because he's a kid that I've known for a while, but he was never really on OU's radar until this summer. I mean, like, they were aware of him, but he wasn't a guy that I had to take seriously so like we we tweet you know we dm'd and stuff like that but it was never like we really had a sit down conversation so i'm talking to him you know before he makes his announcement and we're kind of just doing the commitment story and i said you know has, has bill laid it out has he told you where he's going to play and he goes 
He goes, no, they haven't. But he goes, man, their tackles are 6'9 and 6'7. I'm going to play guard. Like, I mean, he was just so, like, matter of fact. Like, and most guys, I, I hear guys all the time that are, like, 6'3, like, oh, I think I got a shot at tackle. Like, I, I just, I like a kid like that, and especially to work with Bill Bedenboe that is so honest about, like, who he is, what he is, what his strengths are. Because I also asked him about the whole situation, you know, like, uh, some of the guys in state that, you know, through the years, not just this year, that have taken exception to not being offered early. And he said, I, I wasn't any good as a freshman or an eighth grader. I didn't even start playing ball till my sophomore year. Like, th- this offer happened, if it was going to happen, it happened when it should have. Like, he, he was very matter-of-fact about that. And I, I was like, wow, that's that's just unique. And I think that sort of realistic perspective is a good fit for bill like that that's the kind of guy he can work with and they'll find some common ground and the thing to remember i know a lot of people look at his offer list and kind of try to write him off oklahoma could have offered several other guys in state and notably a guy from muskogee wesley harvey who is that kind of tackle that we're talking about wesley harvey's like 6 8 260 and i think he's got a ton of potential but Bill, you know, has been honest with Josh that he thinks he's the number one offensive lineman in the state. And Wesley Harvey just committed to TCU. So, like, he had good offers. He had plenty of opportunities. And OU preferred to go after Josh Iasosa. So I think you have to look at that and kind of weigh that and say, do I do I really doubt Bill Biedenboe's ability to evaluate offensive linemen? You can, you can t- we can talk and we can have that conversation about does he recruit the five star as well as some other guys do. I, I don't I don't think he does. Like I think we can all acknowledge that. At the same time, you can't find many guys who do a better job evaluating and developing offensive linemen than Bill Biedenboe. So I, I I think there's reason for optimism here. I, I know I'm a big stars matter guy, so I'm not trying to argue both sides of the fence here, but I think in Bill's case he's earned enough you know, benefit of the doubt to say, if he says this kid can play, I'm going to listen. I, um, Bill Biedenbaugh scared me this week. Uh, well, it was Friday. I don't know if you guys were over there by offensive line drills. But he always scares me. He was said like, and I say well, that, I, I say that when the I first started covering the beat, uh, Jonathan Hayes and Mark Mangino were out there and they never stopped yelling. I mean, but like, I don't know. With Bill, it penetrates into my bones when he starts getting after people. That's what she said. It's like uh, I just don't. I, I had to. Nice. I had to leave. I, he, I mean, it was too much. I. You like, have to be a special person to play for Bill Beatenball. It was very erotic. I thought because, <laughs> and you know, honestly, some of those offensive linemen should be thanking us that we were there because if we weren't there, he you could tell he was holding back a little bit. Like he was, <laughs> he was, uh, he was going hand over the mouth a couple times, and you could tell that. You know, what was being said under that hand was probably not the most uh, encouraging. Yes. He was encouraging in his own way, it is, in, in Bill Bienbaugh's way. But, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good to stand over there and uh, watch the offensive linemen get after it. And that was a group that Dylan Gabriel brought up today. Now, you know, you're probably out there listening and saying, kind of rolling your eyes, thinking, you know, what else is he going to say at this time of the year? But, uh, you know, I, I think from left to right, it seems like it's pretty – locked in right now is there a guy on that offensive line that won't get drafted other than McCade Matuire? I think Rame's going to need to have a really good year and I'm still not completely sold that Troy Everett doesn't beat him out mm. Troy Everett's not a big guy 
He's not, but he but I, I, he seems like he's just kind of one of those Bill Beatenbaugh type guys that he gets it. He did yeah. really well at Appalachian State because you have to you have to be willing to take that. I mean, if you're a prima donna, you're going to quit like really fast. Yeah, it it certainly is a different style of coaching. I he's in your face, pretty rough, pretty gruff. But the people that get it love it. Like you put out that gif of. Uh, was it Jacob Sexton running a rep? And Bill Beatenbaugh immediately drops his head down like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, and I'm getting texts from Gabe, Gabe Eichert. He's like, I've watched this gif 500 times. Like, he <laughs> loves it. Like, the, the guys that went through it, like, enjoy watching the guys go through it now because they, they got out on the other side. And speaking of a tower, I, you know, we'll be a, it'll be interesting to see if Jake Taylor pushes them, how much he pushes yep. them here through the early portion of camp. Uh, over there at the right guard. But, you know, the tackles seem like they're pretty locked right now with uh, Walter Rouse over on the left side and then, you know, obviously Tyler Tyler Guyton on the right. And I think that they're going to have some depth issues early, especially to see how, how quickly Caden Green can come along. Uh, but to see Jacob positive. To see Jacob Sexton out there, though, like actually going through things. Yeah, that's, it's a positive. Yeah, that's 100%. huge. 100%. I thought it would, and we need to get back to recruiting, I know, yeah. but, you know, just even the guys like um, uh, Jacob Lacey and uh, Robert Spears Jennings, like, they're doing so much, even with those blue jerseys on. They're they're running full speed. Like, they're, yeah. when they're ready to go, they're going to be ready to go. There's not going to be a lot of rust with Maybe a guys. little bit different than Jake in that it were, you know, I guess technically it's an upper body thing with uh, Jacob Lacey and the blood clot. But, you know, with Robert, I mean, he can do basically everything. He just can't hit. Right. So, anyway, uh, back to recruiting. Sorry, Josh. We're tangenting quite a bit today. Um, they get the commitment. Say the kid's last name again. Iasosa? Iasosa. Okay. That's, uh, and to be fair, I, he, I usually ask with him. For some reason, I didn't. But I assume that's correct. Okay. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, a um, little bit of activity here and there. I mean, is realignment, I mean, is that putting any, anything in the recruiting world kind of up in the air? Not that I've heard yet. Now, I mean, obviously, these things. I mean, the USC lost a long time slow. commitment this morning. Um, yeah, that. I mean, that that board's getting a little shaky after all that we read from the Taylor Tatum uh, situation. That the the song has changed a lot for a lot of USC people. That that class, the wheels are starting to come off a little bit. Um, now, I mean, they'll they'll be fine. It's not like that. I mean, there, you know, people can say whatever they want riley is a at least good recruiter so like it, it'll be of offensive fun. talent I just yeah exactly i mean like for what he needs to get it's it just it's like we always saw when they in a class where there wasn't that elite five-star quarterback that lincoln riley was bringing in they kind of struggled to surround uh, that with enough talent but in those years the rattler year caleb williams year you know you go down the list there were he was able to build good classes around those guys because everybody wants to play with those guys. So, um, Lincoln Riley trending on Twitter, by the way, right now. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> but I thought you were friends now. We are. That's why I would just be so surprised if they did get divorced. I'd, I'd hope not. I wish my best for Caitlin and the girls. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I don't think you've seen a lot play out, but I, you know, there, there are some interesting things that suddenly happen, like when, for example, with uh, uh, 
with Stanford left out, they've got a couple of pretty interesting commitments. And a lot of people are kind of like, well, does, does Oklahoma or whoever start to look around? Like, uh, I mean, they have Benedict Yume, a, a kid from uh, actually from Ontario in Canada. It's like a top 50 player in the on three rankings. Like he is an outstanding talent. And they've got Elijah Brown, the quarterback from modern day that started there since he was a freshman. I saw him when I was covering Relique Brown, yep. you know, several years ago now. So um, th- they are building a nice class. And, you know, you're kind of like, well, what does this do to that? What, where, does, where does this leave everything? And so I don't think you're going to see an immediate thing because the kids are just like all of us. Like they don't know yet how this is all going to play. Because, I mean, a week ago, Oregon and Washington were, got, were, were in the Pac-12, and the Big Ten didn't want them, and then circumstances changed. So I think kids are watching that stuff, but I think there is a little just kind of let's see where this goes before anyone kind of jumps too quick and makes a move. But it wouldn't shock me at all if on signing day you saw some of these guys that are headed to places like Cal, Stanford, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, start looking around at maybe programs that – you know, two years ago would not have been considered on their level. All right, Josh, we'll uh, we'll get we'll cut to the chase here. I'm sure this is the only thing that people want to know about. It's what you wrote about this morning up on Soonerscoop.com. Uh, the three five stars that are making decisions over the next month. Obviously, you have Williams uh, Winery coming up next week, August 14th. David Stone on August 26th, and then uh, a guy that you know I think a lot of people didn't really. I you just don't give Oklahoma much of a chance with the Louisiana guy, but. Dominic McKinley is starting to become rather interesting for Oklahoma. There, depending on who you talk to, there are people that will tell you, OU feels better about McKinley than they do Winery. And that's not to say that they don't feel good about Winery. It's just there are people that think the relationship that is there between his mother and the coaching staff and talk, I mean, from everything I have learned about his mom, who I, I am told is the focal point of this decision, she is the person you have to win in this recruitment. She seems like a near ideal fit for Todd Bates. Like just a absolutely the mom. You know, she's very faith driven. She's going to talk about academics. She wants to know what your graduation rates are, what your GPA is. Like I mean, she, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a stereotypical mother, but just has that. You know, and at the same time you know, down-home Southern mom that Todd Bates, I mean, he's an Alabama guy. She's from Louisiana. Like, there's plenty of connection there that makes a lot of sense. So I I think Oklahoma's making a pretty serious run here. Now, I will say, since writing that story, I have heard Ohio State is a little more real in this than some people think. I don't believe he'll go that far from home based on some other conversations. But I'm just told they you can't kind of write them off. And obviously with Larry Johnson, you never want to overlook Ohio State. They're 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 just a machine. Um now the other two, David Stone, I'm not gonna waste a ton of time. I still feel really good about David Stone. I haven't heard anything to change my opinion. I've I've stuck with that for eighteen months now. I don't really have any reason to change it. I, I think Oklahoma's in good shape and I think if anything, OU's probably wishing he would do it now, and maybe that helps with Williams and Ari or Dominic McKinley or whatever. Um, but with McKinley looking to announce on September first, maybe David Stone on August twenty sixth. If they if they close that deal, maybe that helps. You know, to say, hey, you're not going to have to be the guy at defensive tackle. We've got two. You know, you can be part of two big time guys for us here. So 
We'll see. Um, but obviously the guy that everybody is focused on right now, Williams Venary, uh, the on three industries, number one player in the country. I have rarely been this kind of confused. I mean, I don't, I don't know another way to say it. Like, cause the second that I hear something and I'm like, okay, I think it's, I think it's going to be Oklahoma. I'll hear something else. And you're like, hey, I can't write off Missouri. Like I just, it, it's really interesting. And I know, you know, and I know Eddie, you and I have had some conversations. It still sounds like Oklahoma is doing everything it can to throw the kitchen sink as far as NIL. Like they are doing everything they are comfortable doing. I, now, again, I want to be really clear. I don't think Brent Venables for any player is going to do something that he feels compromises his locker room. Like he, he believes in that. And OU's in on enough good players. I, I, I keep saying this. If OU loses Williams and Airy, that's a tough beat. Obviously, that stinks, especially if you lose it to what we think they're, you know, if he goes to Missouri, we know why they lost him, and that's a tough loss. It always is. But if you go get Nigel Smith and Danny Okoye, okay. Like, I, I don't think Williams and Neri is going to be the difference in you getting where you want to go. Obviously, you want to have all the great players you can have, but that defensive line class with David Stone, Okoye Smith, Wyatt Gilmore, uh, uh, Jaden Jackson, I mean, that's a really good defensive line class. It just didn't get the cherry on top you were looking for. But if you, you know, if you can find a way to get Winery or McKinley, then you really have done something pretty special. Um, all three, I, that's stratospheric. Like, I just, I can't, I know I did something with Josh Newberg, a lot of people saw. I can't get my head there. The math just, I'm like, I, I can't see any way that they hit the jackpot on all three of those guys. So we'll see. I, again, if I'm picking today, I, sti- I stick with my Oklahoma pick on Williams and Airy. I stick with my Oklahoma pick on David Stone. I think with McKinley, I would lean just a little bit to Texas. Um, I know there's a lot of confidence down there. Um, I want to talk to some more people about it. I, I don't think it's the race is run by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, again, the fact that Oklahoma is in all three of these chases probably is going to land one and very possibly could. I, I think, I think landing two. The best way to say this: landing two of those guys is more likely than landing none of those guys. If that, if that makes anybody feel better, so um, we'll we'll see where it goes. But I, I still. I love the work they've done on the recruiting trail. The fact that Oklahoma's in these races just blows me away considering what they have to sell as far as Oklahoma itself and their NFL production. They they are doing an outstanding job connecting with these kids and convincing them, hey, it's going to be different going forward than it has been in the rearview mirror. Josh, let's just say Winery commits to Missouri. Is that a recruitment that could still go all the way up to signing day, especially considering I saw – I think Missouri's over under this year's six and a half. And is this third year under Drinkowitz? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, there's a chance that that, that staff's not even around come December or January. Maybe is that something that to keep an eye on is even if he commits to Missouri, that that recruitment still, I'm guessing going all the way to signing day. Yeah, I, I believe is it. I think when I think, uh, he's going into his fifth season. I'm not in an area. I drink. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I that's think right. That's right. I think that is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see 2021. 20, no, this is four. This is four. four. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. So I- anyway, um, he, um, I, I do. I, to me, if, if I'm an Oklahoma fan and, or an Oklahoma coach, more to the point, if, and they, he picks Missouri, I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you, I get that you want him to pick Oklahoma out of the hat. But at the same time, 
you get this situation where you still get all that time to work on him. You don't have to put on the full court press, hey, Williams, we're here. We just want you to know everything you know we put on the table, we still want you here. We're still working on you. Like They can give that pitch and be kind of passive because they haven't sold their soul to lay in this commitment. And as if things start going badly at Missouri, they have to work and work and work to try and keep that afloat, kind of like last year with Oklahoma. But the difference being Oklahoma is Oklahoma and Missouri is Missouri. And we all knew Brent Venables wasn't getting fired at the end of last year. Eli Drinkwitz, they, they go fire off five and seven. He's in trouble. I mean, that, that's that's going to be, you know, three straight losing seasons. And, I mean, the, the best bowl they've accomplished, Armed Forces, maybe. Music City, kind of depending. Uh, I mean, the Music City got vacated. They didn't play that bowl game. So, I mean, I, there is – I think there would still be a possibility. But at the same time – if he's choosing that, he's making that choice for what we think he's making it for, I don't think that's going to go away with the new coaching staff. Whoever put that money forward is going to be so gung ho, and you know, hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna get it for this guy, whoever the next guy at Missouri would be. That I don't think that money is going to evaporate or anything. So if that's what it's about, then there's nothing you can do. But if Oklahoma can get that number close enough. And they can convince him, hey, look, you know, we, we just went nine and three or ten and two. Oklahoma showed some real progress. Then maybe you can turn those tables a little bit. But again, those things are unlikely. They just are. So to me, if he doesn't pick Oklahoma the first go around, maybe you've got a ten percent shot. I mean, you've got a chance. And the nice thing is he's not anyone you have to depend on as far as your numbers go. Like you can continue to recruit him, but you don't have to rely like, okay, well we either have to pick Williams and Ari or another defensive lineman. No, you just keep recruiting him and figure it out at the end. Anything else uh, that's brewing out there that uh, worth keeping an eye on right now, Josh? Uh, well, I mean, I, you know, I want to, we obviously Caden Durham, he's a couple days away. I mean, I know you, you mentioned earlier, I'm about to go on vacation. Oklahoma's got two big decisions coming this week. Caden Durham, uh, the running back from Duncanville and Jaden Nickens, the wide receiver in the 2025 class from Oklahoma city Millwood. They're both set to announce, uh, you know, over the next couple days, Caden Durham on Thursday, the 12th and Jaden Nickens on the, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday, the 10th and Jaden Nickens on Saturday, the 12th. So I think Oklahoma goes one for two there. I feel pretty good about where they are with Nickens. I've got a, I've got a prediction in there. Um, and then with, with Durham, you just keep hearing this. He's messing with people. He's trolling people. Like even from like some folks around Oklahoma city that will tell you they have some affiliation. They're like, man, he's going to Oklahoma. Like, and they act so matter of fact about it, but literally nowhere else. Do you hear that? It sounds like it's LSU. Like I just, I don't know if it's some late stuff to kind of keep it interesting, but like I said last week, if this is a troll job, it's a hell of a good one. Like, I mean, I, I, I will own it. He got me no problem. Um, but I, I think it's going to be LSU. Jaden Nickens feels like a guy that I'm guessing kind of like we talked about last week where Emmett Jones has already got two commitments in the class can go to a receiver and say, Hey man, no pressure, but we've only got so many spots. If this is the move for you, this is what you want to do. We need you to let us know. We, we need you to get on board or I, I'm, you know, some other guy might beat you to the punch. And so that's 
my guess at how this is playing out, but we'll we'll see. I mean, Jaden Jaden might want to pull a surprise and do something crazy. You just never know. And then, of course, like I said, I mean, you've got Williams and Neri, um in less than a week. Uh, Gus Cordova, the big 25 defensive lineman from Lake Travis in Austin. Um, I don't think he has finalized his date. He kind of had one in mind, and now I think he's kind of thinking about doing something else. Uh, but I, I think Oklahoma has every reason to feel good there. But, um, no, I mean, it, it should be a really good August for Oklahoma. I, I, I am expecting multiple big decisions, and, you know, if they can close in on a few of these guys, then, uh, again, I think you really start to see not only 24 start to climb in the rankings as they start getting some of these higher-level commitments, but also 2025 really starting to lay a firm foundation to where – guys like Kevin Sperry and Grayson Harrison and some of these guys, uh, Grayson Harris, some of these guys that are already committing, they can start really going to work on 2025. And um, I guess in that class, the one guy I will say that I wouldn't go to sleep on right now is Nate Roberts, the Notre Dame commitment from Washington. I continue to hear stuff that Oklahoma has not given up that race and that, um, you know, may, may I, I'm not reporting anything. I'm not telling you anything's going to happen, but I don't know that there's a total lack of interest on his part. I guess I would say it that way. I think there's obviously a draw. It, you know, it certainly helps that he's been throwing a little bit with uh, Kevin Sperry uh, and some of the Carl Albert boys. I would imagine that that is something that is on the back of everybody's mind as far as, you know, kind of where his head's at going into the season. And I don't blame him. I mean, coming up to get work with Kevin Sperry before the season starts for Washington, uh, probably a pretty good idea. As far as Jaden Nickens, Josh, it, I mean, I know that we talked about the 2025 class in state and how good and how talented that thing is. Uh, starting off with Elijah Thomas and Jaden Nickens getting them in a class already with uh, Kevin Sperry. I mean, you talk about locking down the state of Oklahoma. It, it, you know, and you could even throw Josh Asosha in there as well. Pretty damn good. I mean, they're doing exactly what they wanted to do as far as, uh, you know, kind of making a statement inside the state. Oh, the, there's no question. I mean, like, you look at where they are in the state. I mean, you know, guys, we've talked about it. With, with Kevin Sperry and his move in, and then um, the recent offer to uh, – who was it? I No, there wasn't a recent offer. Sorry. Just the Kevin Sperry move in. Oklahoma's made nine offers in the state of Oklahoma, and, I mean, already have a commitment from Kevin Sperry, already have one from Elijah Thomas. I think they're trending with uh, Jaden Nickens. And C.J. Nixon – is a guy that he's just so quiet. He's never really, you know, CJ and I talk a little bit, but he's not one of those guys that's out at all the camps or is doing all the interviews. He's just, you know, he's a small town kid from Western Oklahoma and he's just very calm and casual about how he's handles recruitment. But the only place he ever seems to show up is Oklahoma. He was, um, he, you know, he was out there today at camp. We saw him out there with his dad. And then, you know, a couple weeks, months later, he's at the party at the palace. So, that's really the only stuff he's done other than basketball all summer. So, I, again, I like where OU is there. Um, and, you know, a guy like Marcus James, at Carl Albert, OU continues to be in really good shape with him. And, you know, we again, we saw him this spring and summer, and he is a freaky talent once it all comes together. I, I, again, we, we could go on and on about the Carl Albert roster. Um, and I will say, starting to put my schedule together, something for all the Oklahoma high school fans out there, there is going to be a preseason scrimmage involving Washington and Carl Albert. Nate Roberts, Cooper Alexander, that whole Carl Albert roster, they're all going to be on the same field. That should be 
a pretty cool thing to watch for anybody that wants to go see a lot of uh, you know just high end talent. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma. I think Heritage Hall is going to be there that night as well in Andy Bass. Oh. <laughs> That's correct. I, I, I think I knew that, but I had forgotten. And then the night before that, depending on what happens w- with williams Winery, williams Winery is going to announce on Monday he will be in the state of Oklahoma on Thursday. Hmm. He will be I, up I, at Tulsa Union. Uh, Union yeah. I think camp. that those are both the same night, possibly. Uh, are they both the 17th? I think oh I need to I need to be sure about the Carl Albert one. The, the Carl Albert uh, one's the seventeenth, I know. Okay, then I think they probably would be the same night then because okay. I'm almost certain Union almost always does theirs on Thursday night. Yeah. And um, Union preview. Let me see. Well, uh-huh. if, he, if he commits to you, I'll drive down to Tulsa. I'll go talk. Well, thank to you. Him. Thank <laughs> you for the offer. I'll go talk to him. I want Coney Islander on the way back. Oh um, my God. Always the Coney Islander. I was like literally like I could taste it the other day. It was <laughs> like somebody posted a Coney picture. It wasn't from there. Man, I miss it. By the way, that you might know, be a top ten most disgusting thing ever, too. By the way, not Coney Islander. Coney Islander's great. Yeah, getting it and then the travel situation just it worries me. Yeah, that's that's true too. That's why you only have four and eat them there. Right. One hundred percent. You know what else I'm, I I need to restock on? That's prime shrimp. Six different varieties of shrimp for you to choose from. Uh, and right now, if you uh, go to the website primeshrimp.com, p r i m e shrimp.com, use that promo code U forty, you get twenty five percent off uh, your first order of fifty dollars or more. Uh, and like I said, six different varieties. You can get all six. They're ten eleven dollars per. Uh, get 25% off that, help you with the shipping on that. But they come to you frozen. You put them in the freezer, uh, decide whenever you want to eat them. You need a, a nice, you don't want to use the DoorDash and pay all the fees. You don't want to go out. You just want a nice restaurant-quality meal at home. It's primeshrimp.com, garlic or butter shrimp, uh, the New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp. Get yourself some rice, some quinoa, some linguine, whatever is your uh, pick of choice. Add it to the shrimp. The French Quarter Alfredo is fantastic. Lemon and cracked pepper. Go check them out. Look at all the varieties. See what you like. Uh, pick all of your uh, selections up to $50, and you'll get 25% off with that promo code U40. That's primeshrimp.com. Go check them out. Support them. They support the pod and uh, have for a very long time. We appreciate them. All right, uh, Josh, uh, anything that you want to know about uh, the, the current state of the football team at Oklahoma? Any, any youngsters that you're really curious how they're looking right now? Well, I have to say I love all the Jaquez Petaway talk. Yeah. That is that is, I, That's I love players are, that. Pa- players are talking him a up too. ton bigger than I was expecting. Yes. Uh, he again, man, if they can and it's one of those deals where I think I talked about this in the round table we did or maybe something else. I can't remember. But guys with speed like that, you can find a way to use those guys. Like they may not be able to grasp the full offense and do everything you want them to do. But like, hey, man, 10 times a game, we just want you to run vertical. Like just stretch. And well, you know, even and, and Jalil Farouk equal. yesterday talking to him, I mean, that's what he was talking about is the speed that they brought into the room. He's talking about Brendan Thompson too, mm-hmm. uh, how much speed he brings to the offense. Like you can tell that's something that – you know, with Petaway, like, you have some speed. You're going to find your way on the field. I mean, Josh, that's something that they did with Gavin Freeman a year ago and putting different packages together to get him, just get him on the field somehow, some way. Yeah, I, I, that is 
like I said, I, I just I think Oklahoma needed him to come in and be as good as they were hoping he would be, and it sure sounds like he's he's doing the things he needs to do. Uh, the other guy, and I, you know, we heard more about him. I think from the staff in the spring, and I almost wonder if they're just they accept who he is now. I keep hearing Josiah Wagner's name come up a lot. Yes. Like they, they just he is a guy that's really just impressing people with just his understanding. He's just a smart, smart football player. Woody Washington raved about him today. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw his quote about he called him a pit bull, and I think that's the yeah. perfect description for him. Uh, and he put on 20-some 20, 20 pounds in the offseason. He's a guy that, I mean, everyone's talking about Gentry and I mean, us included, but I think Wagner is pushing for a role there. I, I, guys, I mean, I, that would be the thing I would ask. How long has it been since Oklahoma's had this many guys in their secondary that they had any reason to feel this good about? Like, that, that room, safeties and corners, has flipped over dramatically in a year and a half. Well, just think about the four safeties that we think are the too deep right now. You're talking yep. about Reggie Pearson. You're talking about Billy Bowman. You're talking about Key Lawrence. You're talking about uh, Peyton Bowen. I mean, yeah. that's that's a solid and, and, start. And we talked to Dave McCulloch today. He is very good sized. Big frame. Great frame. Uh, and we didn't even mention Robert Spears Jennings, who's absolutely not able to, to go fully through practice yet. I mean, that's a guy that looks like he can be a contributor. So, yeah, I mean, that safety spot... I. I think that's a group that maybe we're not talking enough about. And I, I don't. Maybe we are, but people outside the program aren't. Like I think they're going. I think that they have the potential to be one of the better groups in the Big Twelve at safety. I just the, it's, it's one of those oh. things where you know we go out there and, and see those guys, and it's almost like you're questioning yourself. Like, is this really as good as I think it is? Like, is this yeah. is this being fixed faster than I expected. And we don't know because we got to see it on the field. And, I mean, you know, everybody got drunk after the, the Nebraska win last year, and then it all went to shit. And, and like, there's still a possibility that could happen. I mean, I, by the way, when Josh comes back from vacation, we'll do the Doom pod before. I know we, we said it'd be this week, but then we <laughs> forgot about the vacation stuff. Um, but, like, I don't know, guys. It's like... I, I get more and more impressed every time they invite us out there well, just to look at the, the, the type of players that are in this program. Here's right the difference, and because I have the same questions of, like, are, are we drinking too much of the Kool-Aid? But you cannot convince me that going from Justin Broyles and Jeffrey Johnson to a Peyton Bowen or a Reggie Pearson and a Dejon Terry and a bigger Jonah Lalu is not just a massive upgrade. Like maybe and a PJ at a bar, a that's where I'm like, they have, they have and to a be Bothroyd. Better. I mean, it has to be better. We've all been enamored yeah. with Bothroyd. I, I think Bothroyd is going to be a really, really good football player for this team. What would you say are the chances that your starting defensive ends come bowl time are Bothroyd and at I could see it. I, I would push back just for the fact that, or Mason Thomas, it sounds like he's having a pretty good uh, camp so far. He was in a boot today. I, you know, yeah. we saw it. You can't act like it wasn't out there. But I don't think that's anything. We weren't that looking. Is. We weren't. Just, I mean, just he, walked, he, walked, he literally he walked, walked right by us by the interview session. I mean, I, I think that he's a guy that could end up having a say. I think that Trace Ford's going to end up having a say. Maybe not a starter though, Josh. So I think that he's going to. I though. would buy into the idea that those could be your starting. Uh, defensive ends before it's all said and done. Well, and Bothroyd talked about Atabare today and said that he just is, is a lot more comfortable than 
where he was in the spring in, in terms of, of learning the defense. And so I, but man, you, you see, you can pick him out. Like, again, we weren't watching practice, but if we were, you can see him from a long distance away and it's like, Oh, that's PJ out of bar. Right. Like yeah. he's, I yeah, mean, he's, he's just not there yet. I mean, you can see the frame is there. Like he has gotten a little bit bigger, but like you see an NFL you yes. know, player yeah. there someday. Like 100%. He's just not there yet. He's just a kid. Like, I mean, I watched a lot of uh, Nick Benito last year in Denver. Mm-hmm. He's so much bigger than Nick Benito. Yeah. And, like, Nick Benito's playing in the NFL. It was a great player to OU. Like, he is, I don't know, man. He's just a different a different cat. And Like, he doesn't look like Okoronkwo. He doesn't look like, no, like I Nick mean, Benito. The, he's, he's, PJ doesn't look like anybody that they have had. You have to compare him to an NFL guy like a... You know, before he lost the fingers, like a, a Jason Pierre-Paul or somebody like yeah. that. Now, I will say, Reggie Grimes also looks great out there, yeah. and he's not been a good he player. He has an NFL body, and he doesn't play so, like an I mean, NFL player. Maybe PJ's going to—I mean, Josh would answer that better than I could, but like maybe that happens. I don't know. But I'm somewhat very excited to see what they do inside on the defensive line because you see all those bodies that they have there. They have options. It's just about production. And, you know, if Isaiah Coe can take a step, if DJ Terry can take a step, if, uh, you know, I I don't know where Jordan Kelly's going to fit into the mix. I Jacob Lacey, obviously, is going to be somebody that I think once he gets cleared is going to be He's such a, a big body. Dude too. Very big. Like, they, the it's night and day different from what they were a couple, from last year to this year. And I think that, you know, it's going to make everybody's life so much easier if you can just get solid play on the defensive line. They don't even need to if, be All-Americans. They can just be second-team All-Big 12 type guys. Well, here's a perfect example. They just need a, an, they need a couple of Isaiah Thomases. They don't need – they just need guys that can, you know, stay on a team in the NFL. Yeah. Like, they haven't had that in, in the last – you know, since Isaiah. Like, they didn't have anybody like that last year. But, like, you put pay in the game, you at least got to run around that guy. Like <laughs> – that's a little bit of an improvement over what they had a year ago because, I mean, last year, you know, all teams had to do was run around the edge and they couldn't hold the edge. Yeah, they and, couldn't hold anything. Yeah. And, you know, I the cheetah thing is going to come together. I know Bob wrote about it. We we did some stuff on the YouTube show about it, George. It's starting to maybe come into a little bit more clearer picture of what they want to do. I still think, like, Samuel Omosigo looks like somebody that can yeah. play immediately. I don't know if they're going to throw everything at him. But I think that he could maybe be a contributor. But more so, you know, the Justin Harrington hype continues to build from what he was during the spring, which was kind of, it was growing. It was like, okay, this is for real. And then obviously, Desan McCulloch is going to be a guy that, you know, they're going to use, I think, in a variety of ways because he is so versatile in what they can do. But, you know, Justin Harrington is very, very interesting going into the season. I think he's going to start. I know there's a lot of people that want McCulloch to start. I think it's going to be Justin Harrington at that cheetah spot. I think McCulloch's going to play. I think it's going to be a situational thing. I mean, obviously, Harrington is probably a little bit better in coverage. Eddie, you and I talked about that a little bit. Obviously, he's played safety before. So uh, I think that you'll see him in maybe passing situations and McCulloch comes in and, and maybe rushes. I mean, he was really good at that at Indiana. It's going to, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do at cheetah because even Brent, Mentioned the four guys that he mentioned was Reggie Pearson, Peyton Bowen, Justin Harrington, and Hassan McCulloch. Those are all four very different type types of players uh, working at that cheetah spot. So I'll I, give you I'll give you a young guy that I like to be an established starter by the end of the season more than PJ, and that's Peyton Bowen. I just think I he's think a, a very guy, good chance. I I just think he's a guy that is another one of these guys that just makes plays. Like you know, last year I mean. 
when, when I watch practice, you know what I find myself saying is I see more guys out there on the field that I'm like, why can't he play? Like, mm-hmm. what, you know, he looks really good. Like, and it's like we, like last year, there was a couple of guys. Like, there was like Kanai Walker. We were like, wow, he looks really long and lean, and I wonder if he could play. Now you see dozens of those times. I mean, even guys like Connor Neer. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's a position that I think we have uh, talked about quite a bit is the linebacker position off, opposite of Danny Stutzman. And Jaron Kanick, it continues to feel like he's coming on more and more. And After talking to Kanick the other day and George was there too, like, I'm like, okay, this guy gets it. Like, he's, yeah. he's ready yeah, to he's take intense. over a starting role. And I, even with all of the buzz surrounding Connor Neer, we've talked about Jaron Kanick. Kobe McKenzie's going to play a lot of football for this he, team. He might be the best-looking linebacker they have. Now, again, I you know what does that look like when it actually comes to game time? But I think Jaron Canick's going to start at that spot. Just talking to him after practice the other day, you can tell he has a better grasp of what they're asking him to do, mm-hmm. where last year it was very obvious he didn't know what he was doing. And and I think we, none of us have ever questioned his athletic or physical abilities. So he, he has that down. I, I, I just think it's it's his job to lose at this point. And I would bet that he – and again, I think they'll rotate guys in and out there. But um, I think he, he'll be the day one starter there. You know what else I took of that conversation from him is he and Danny Stutzman and Brent Venables have really been through it together. Yeah. Like, and they've stayed – it's made them closer. Like, that is a – that's just a, a, a combination, I think, that is going to be kind of the heartbeat of that defense. I think they spent a lot of time together in the offseason. It sounds like maybe Brent had some one-on-one sessions with those guys in terms of watching film and and uh, looking at things together. But, yeah, I think that him and Brent and, and Danny has really taken Jaron under his wing. I, I, I want to say they might even be like living together possibly. But, um, yeah, I, I think that those three guys obviously have a very – very tight relationship, and I think that they obviously have a very close relationship with uh, with Brent. Speaking of people that live with Danny Stutzman, I mean, we're talking about the defensive line, and I still think that, like, Kelvin Gilliam, how does he fit into yep. the situation? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the, the defensive line is going to be really interesting because there's, like, eight guys, and I know that Todd Bates said that they want to play six up front. Um, you know, we haven't even talked about Devon Sears. I think he's another guy that they brought in from Texas State. I heard he's one of the stronger guys on the team. I think that he could get some playing time. Kelvin Gilliam looks great out there. Grayson Holton, another guy that had a huge summer. So I think all those guys are, are people that could maybe earn rotating roles. I, I do think, though, it's going to be uh, Dejon Terry, Isaiah Coe, Jordan Kelly. Those are going to be kind of the, your your guys up front to start, I think. They're just so much bigger up there. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at... Uh, Comparing uh, Dejon Terry to uh, Perrion Winfrey, did you know Dejon Terry's like thirty pounds heavier and like two inches taller than Perrion Winfrey? I mean, Perrion was not a huge guy; he was just very athletic. And, yeah, and in explosive. But, I, mean, I remember when when Perrion played, it was like, man, they haven't had a guy like that size in you know in a while, other yeah. than maybe Neville Gallimore. But right. to say that they have several guys that are bigger than Perrion is yeah, I see just, what you're saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just different. All right, Josh, I know uh, we got to get you out of here. Enjoy the vacation, which everybody knows Josh goes on vacation. That means a lot of commitments. So uh, pressure's on. Pressure's on. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. uh, There might be a few commitment stories written. So, you know, that's that's out there for people. So anyway, guys, uh, enjoyed it. And 
you know, enjoy all the practice stuff. Again, anybody that's not subscribed to YouTube, get, get over there and do that. Just youtube.com slash Soonerscoop. Really easy to get there. Hit that subscribe, like button. Uh, we're growing really, really fast again. So we'll keep putting more content out the more you guys subscribe and watch. So do it. All and right, Jerry Josh. has worked out a promo over there. So we got all kinds of good stuff. Josh, uh, yes, we do have a promo uh, just for YouTube watchers. So you got to go watch to find it out. Uh, Josh, enjoy the vacation. Well-deserved. Uh, and look forward to uh, you returning and uh, getting this football thing going. Yeah, I return on Williams-Venary Day. So we'll, we'll see. I should just dive right into the fire. All right, Josh. Enjoy it, man. Later, fellas. All right, folks. Don't forget about Dead Soxy. Uh, they are the new standard in socks, according to GQ. Um, go check them out, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Uh, very exciting as they have uh, the new crimson uh, colorways where uh, you got to stock up for the season. It's going to be here before you know it. Uh, we're going through preseason uh, practices right now. And uh, I'm telling you, we're going to be sitting in that press box in the first game. Uh, in a, It's going to fly by. So might as well get your new Dead Soxies uh, in. Use that promo code SCOOP. You'll get 25% off your entire order, even your sell items uh, and uh, collections like the, uh, the Crimson Colorway Collections. Uh, all new uh, packs. And don't forget the no-shows, uh, lifesavers right now this time of year. Even though our weather's cooled down a little bit, uh, it just makes it better to wear those things with some nice, uh, you know, maybe some Colhan slip-ons or something like that, which is what I wear them with. Uh, but love having those around, uh, get more and more. I, I can never have enough. So use that promo code, get yourself some more 25% off. Use the promo code scoop your entire order. Deadsoxy.com. Go check them out right now. Uh, and as always stay soxy. All right. Uh, well, Josh is uh, off to vacay and, uh, we still got the uh, spring football or spring. I keep calling it. I can't get out of that mode. Fall camp to cover. Um, we were out today, or you guys were out today. We'll be back out on Monday and Tuesday of next week. So every Monday and Tuesday, um, I think we have one more viewing session scheduled at this point. Two more? I think two more. Is it two more? Yeah, okay. I think two more. I think we're getting four, and it's going to be on every Monday, basically, from here on out until school starts. But every time we go out, you know, we learn a little bit more. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the size, um, uh, especially on the defensive line. And, you know, the linebackers, we talked a little bit about them, but I'll tell you what, the running back room, um, just such a, a varied group of guys in, in what they're able to do. And I, I really get the sense that uh, Javante Barnes has kind of taken over the mantle in that room of saying, you know, I, I, I want to be that guy. Like, talking to him the other day, you saw a, a lot of maturity from him. Uh, he, he wouldn't duck any questions that were asked. And you can tell just a guy that genuinely – wants to get better, wants to prove to people that he's a better running back than he was as a freshman. Yeah, no, I think the expectations are really high for him. And, and I said it on the YouTube video, but his poise in front of the media, I thought, was impressive. And I, I hadn't talked to him yet. Um, and I know that, Eddie, you were saying last year he was a little bit more quiet, a little bit more like a, a freshman, I guess, at times. Yeah, but. I think I think there were just moments where he was almost more guarded about what he wanted mm -hmm. to say or what he, you know, how he did the interview, just because he was a freshman. He didn't want to be, you know, be put on blast everywhere if he said the wrong thing. Right. And I think that you know he's obviously he's very more comfortable now. It's a situation that this is kind of in a way his room outside of Marcus Major because he's done, uh, you know, second most, I, I guess, first most on the field, but by class he would be behind Marcus but at the same time I do think that you know he feels very comfortable this is I, he's going to be the number one running back on this team I, I think if everything goes as planned 
And it's kind of exciting when you look at what he was able to do a year ago, 116 rushes for 519 yards, average four and a half a carry, five touchdowns, uh, you know, flashed certainly at the end of the season when he was getting more opportunity. And, uh, you know, obviously it was in the bowl game where he kind of burst onto the scene, if, you know, if you will, with alongside uh, Gavin Sawchuk. So even he mentioned yesterday that, you know, they kind of have a little thunder and lightning, if you will, type thing going on. Uh, and it's going to be exciting to see how this whole thing comes together. That that room is drastically different than what it was even, you know, a year ago with Eric Gray. So it's uh, it's a positive for DeMarco Murray. And, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things that if they're able to run the ball, and they were able to run the ball a year ago, even with Eric Gray, uh, I think that Javante Barnes could end up being a really, really good player. Do you think they could have two 1,000-yard rushers on this team? No. I think Lebby is committed enough to the run where it could happen. If, if, if they are, I think it's a major positive, right? Last time they did that was 2019, and it was uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, Kennedy Brooks, I believe. It or? would have been Kennedy, yeah. Yep, Jalen Hurts and Kennedy Brooks. And they did it in 2018 as well. With um, Kyler, yeah, but no, it was the mix uh, of yeah, it was Kyler and Kennedy Brooks, but then Trey Sermon. They almost had three one thousand yard rushers in twenty eighteen. Trey Sermon ran for nine hundred and forty seven yards. So I mean, I I don't know. I I think uh, I think they could do it. I think they're going to run the ball more than they did last year, and that, that's saying something because they led the the Big Twelve in in rushing offense. But uh, I think they have more. Like I don't think it's going to be a situation where Eric Gray was relied on so much last year. I don't think they're going to run you know, one guy as much as they ran Eric, I think that they're going to maybe have a little bit more of a rotation there. Sure. And does that mean that Caleb Hicks is going to get some carries? I, you know, he looks great. Does does Tawi Walker get some carries yeah. in short yardage? And that's why, situation. that's why I don't think they'll and have then Marcus majors. Just yeah. the forgotten guy because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. Right. And that's why I don't think they'll have two 1000 yard rushers, but you could look up and they have two 800 yard rushers. And then, Maybe a couple a couple guys with four hundred or something like that. I, I don't know. I I feel really good about the running back room. You know, the the last time that we saw Gavin saw Chuck, and you know, it's going to be the play that everybody looks back at that cheese bowl that kind of turned the momentum of the game, the fumble. And you know, you just hope that that's not something that mm-hmm. is revisited. And you know, surely it was his first game. It was his first you know true uh, playing experience at Oklahoma in the in the bowl game. But at the same time, it is something that in the back of your mind. It, you need to see him carry the ball a couple times before you go. Okay, this is that was maybe just a one-off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Gavin because he he did look really good in the bowl game, but um, that's one game, you know. Where, whereas we have so such a bigger sample size of Javante and, and what he's able to do and, and do some different things. I, I think Gavin's going to be a really good player. I just I don't know. I I, I, think, I think Barnes he'll really benefit from a change up back because I mean he's mm-hmm. so physical. It's a little bit like, you know, when Trey Sermon came in, you know, uh, for Kennedy Brooks. I mean, it was just a change-up, and it took the defense a little bit to adjust. So, I think I think Sacha could be that guy that, you know, is a little bit more of a speed back, uh, gets through the hole quickly, kind of runs skinny through, you know, through the trash and all that. I just – there's going to be somebody to develop. And, you know, I like what I saw in the spring from the young guys, too. I think some of those guys are enough of a change-up from, from Barnes that – I think it'll be successful. Dalen Smothers is the one guy that we just don't know a whole lot about. And I asked uh, DeMarco Murray at media day two weeks ago, you know, he's basically coming into a year where he didn't play as a senior. It's going to take some time for the rust to wear off. But at the same time, I do think that 
it's a it's it's just another tool that they have back there at the running back position, and uh, that's a good problem to have is trying to figure out who's going to get the carries, not who like or who's going to show up. And I I think we're going to look up at the end of the season, and one of those two running backs, either Hicks or, or Smothers, is going to be playing a little bit. And maybe again, maybe it's not a huge role. Um, but I think that they they're gonna get some get some run and and some of that's you know the reality is one of these running backs is probably gonna get hurt you know Barnes Sawchuk Major like that just happens at that position guys get guys get banged up I mean Marcus Major can tell you all about that so I, I think that there's a there's a chance that one of those freshmen gets thrown into the fire a little bit this year but I'm not I'm not worried about running back no I, I'm really not and it's almost kind of one of those things just get everything figured out up front. And if they're just halfway good, you know, and they were, I think, probably better than people want to remember a year ago, uh, they need to be able to run the ball. I think that's one thing that Jeff Levy would tell you from the get-go. They have to be able to run the ball, and they have to be able to pick up short yardage situations, and they weren't able to do that a year ago. I think the one position just early that makes you wonder, like, and we've known, but you see Austin Stogner out there. He's not an explosive guy. Um, You know, even when he first got here, we were enamored with the size, but we always said, like, he's going to have to develop a little bit. He's going to have to find some quickness. He's going to have to get and work with, you know, the strength team and, and kind of be a little bit better. But I haven't really seen that leap from him. Well, and that was something that Dylan Gabriel talked about on Tuesday at the uh, post-practice interview session was, you know, he maybe will make up for some things that he doesn't give athletically maybe just by being somebody that has played a ton of football and obviously going to the SEC, you would have to think that he's picked up a little bit of uh, knowledge as far as, you know, finding places where he can just use his body to get in zones and take the ball away. And Brent talked about him making the play on Friday in the end zone. And, you know, he did that at Oklahoma. He did that in Stillwater. Uh, That was one of the, you know, kind of memorable plays. And that almost comeback that Caleb Williams engineered was uh, finding a way to just make plays and but well, at I the same time he needs help don't you think i mean one of the reasons he went to south carolina is because spencer Frat- rattler used him as you know kind of a sure an outlet a little bit of an emergency toss guy but yeah i mean that's one thing dylan gabriel has not developed since he's been here which is that safety net like i think it's kind of been drake stoops at times uh it but you know throwing the ball down the field as much as he does to marvin mims like he's concentrated more yeah, when you, when we talk so much, George, in the preseason now about third and fourth down, that's where I think they make that that jump to become better. Is if he if he and Austin Stogner can get that connection, or he and uh, Gavin Freeman, or Drake Stoops, or, or Jalil Farouk, whoever, to know he he can rely on a guy being in the right place at the right time to let that ball go on third and fourth down. Well, I think the the thing with Austin is. I think they're going to have him probably run more of those, you know, five, ten yard outs and just be a big body, or and, and and that's going to help them in the red zone, right? Like if you can have a, somebody that size down there that can go up and get a jump ball, whereas he's not going to be a Mark Andrews where he takes one sixty yards to the no, house. Yeah. No. you know that's that's not going behind to happen. The defense you know who who can that be? I don't I don't know. I mean, I think Cade McIntyre looks really good out there. Um, you know, I think that he. Re- I mean, we should talk. He really does. Like he has yeah. surprised me. Like going through photos the other day, like he is not far off. Like he's bigger than a lot of, you know, young tight ends. Well, and I, I think that that's the thing though. And like, we went up and saw him up in Nebraska, yeah. uh, physically. I mean, just look at his dad. They, they, they work out. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I think that for him, it's just about catching up to the game speed and yeah. from the level of uh, high school football that he was playing up in Nebraska 
to, you know, just out there at practice, his head has to be spinning a little bit. But you go through, you know, all the tight ends at Oklahoma, has, like you said, Mark Andrews is a special beast. I mean, he proves that yeah, in the NFL. Sure. But, you know, like a Grant Calcaterra, I mean, he certainly looks that part a little bit physically well, he's 30, already. He's 32 pounds lighter than Stogner. Stogner's 255 pounds. Stogner's a big boy. Yeah, McIntyre's 223. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think he's going to play because they don't have anybody else. Yeah. Right? I mean, Blake Smith, I think, is probably going to get some run, obviously. He's You're falling got in love with uh, Mr. I can't even Finale, Fanuli. Fanuli. Yeah, I don't the, know. Uh, the tight end. He just looks big uh, and he athletic. He's always make, making plays. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I, again, they just don't have bodies there. So I think they're going to throw some of these guys out there that we've. I mean, Llewellyn, what's he look like? I, yeah. Sure. No idea. He well, wasn't afraid. I don't Hampton, know. Yeah. I mean, he's another guy. And to, as we said, they want to have a tight end presence with Devon Mitchell committed. They don't sure. want him to get cold feet because they're not using the tight end this year. Well, look how much they used Braden Willis last year. I mean, he was a, he was some of that safety net at times yeah. last year. And so 100%. I, I think they have to find that guy. And again, I think Austin is a, is a nice player, but they have to find somebody that can maybe be an X factor when it, you know, a Dimitri Flowers type or, again, Mark Andrews is a different level, but even Grant Calcaterra, one of those guys that can split out and make a big play. But here's the thing with Stogner is, like, they need to use him like Iowa State used their tight ends. Like, just a guy that they know he's going to be in traffic, but you just put the ball up and let him go get it over a, you know, 6'2 defensive back. Yeah. Like, do pull a, a Charlie Kohler or a, I can't even remember the other guys they've had over the years, but they just had seemingly six foot seven tight end after six foot seven tight end, and they know how to use those guys. Yeah, I mean, I just I worry about the depth there too. I mean, and and considering Stogner's history with injuries, it's like if he goes down, I mean, I really don't know who they turn to. And I guess they had that same issue last year with Braden Willis. Uh, you know, I I guess you had Daniel Parker. But he wasn't somebody that they totally relied on in the passing game at all. So I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I guess they've played with it before. And you know, it's another. They didn't really go after anybody in the portal either. So they must feel somewhat confident in what they have. And and um, you know, I know there's a couple other guys that you could maybe play tight end if they wanted them to. Um, you know, Heim, he's working at linebacker, right? I mean, he's yeah. a guy that you guys thought can maybe play tight end, right? Yeah. I think I, we I, were hoping he'd be like, you know, defensive end, be kind of like the next uh, – God, why am I blanking on Ada? Um, Dan Cody? Dan Cody, yeah. I think in time he could. I mean, you look at what he's able to do. on His track numbers are exceptional. Yeah. Like, the guy mm-hmm. can move. Uh, it's just he's one of those guys that you talk about skinny. He's gonna Which need. Think, he's gonna need yeah, a couple two, summers. Yeah, he's only two two He's gonna need a couple summers with. But that's uh, the thing. Jerry you Schmidt. start him at linebacker. You get him to learn the defense. When he gets bigger, I mean, they did that with Jimmy Wilkerson and Dan Cody early in their yeah. careers. And I, I think they. If you're talking about like 2024, 2025, you start moving down the line. Uh, Taylor Hyman, I think, is going to be a really good player for Oklahoma. I mean, they did the same thing with Jeremy Beal during his career too. I mean, I'm being old man here, and it, it, it could be one of those situations too that you just got to see if he can add the weight. I mean. I think he has a frame that could hold that, but yeah. he's going to have to put in the work. I have a hat somewhere in my closet that I think Jeremy Beal signed. I thought he was the coolest back in, when I was like 12. Continuing great the, the tradition of uh, great OU beat writers, Jason Kersey and... Uh, yeah, he had the Kiwan Jones Kiwan gloves. Jones, only the one glove. He lost the other one. I just have the picture with Kel Gundy. You have that picture? Kiwan Jones was my picture. first ever uh, jersey I think I ever had of a any sports player that and I think I had a Brett Favre one which 
should probably go in the trash. Well, he's now. an upstanding citizen. Yeah. Did you upgrade to an Adrian Peterson one eventually? I had like it, I had else? an Adrian Peterson um, Vikings one. I became a Vikings fan when I was a kid. That's hardcore. Yeah. Skull. Uh, I don't know. Like, there's nothing that we haven't really covered with positions so far. I don't think it's like kickers. I watched kickers the other I, day. I haven't. I was. I, my dad asked me the other day. How, you know, how's the punting battle going? I was like, honestly, I've not paid attention. And and I think most people would be like, who cares? I think that's actually kind of an important. I mean, I I don't know who's going to be the punter when you're talking about a defense that has struggled as much as Oklahoma has. Uh, and you know, they're they're supposedly making that jump this year, but. Pinning guys back in uh, you know the red zone, it's going to be super important, I yeah. think, especially in big games. I mean, when you're talking about losing all the one score games Oklahoma had a year ago, you got to look at every phase of the game. And I, I was watching, you know, the the punters were over on the sideline, but he just kind of carries himself like Josh Plaster carries himself yeah. like he's the guy. I think Josh Plaster has a magnificent lead. Uh, it's going to be, I think he's going to be your long range guy, and then they're going to bring Lucas Elzinga in for pooch punting and, and pinning guys deep. And that's kind of his specialty. I'm, I'm interested in what happens at the field goal position. I was going to say, does, do you think Schmidt has a little bit of a short leash? Or is, is, if he, is he even the... I think he, it, he'll it, be this day one starter, I would assume. I would imagine. But at the same time, I think Gavin Marshall has a pretty good leg. Like, yeah. he pushed him throughout the year. He looked good uh, in, a year in, ago. In field goal stuff yeah. yesterday. And, you know, it's one of those things, too. It's like you asked... Jay Nunez talked about it during uh, spring, spring ball. And the numbers don't look great for Zach Schmidt. I think it was 13 for 19 or 12 for 19 a year ago. But, you know, he misses, I think he missed a field, at least one field goal in three of the last four games. He missed two up in Morgantown. Didn't, Are you gonna, didn't he have one that was like, they had him walk out there. Like, it was like 55 yards well, they put him in, in the rain. And it yeah. was just like, yeah. what are they yeah. doing? It, like, are you going to punish him for missing two field goals in a monsoon up in Morgantown? Yeah. But at the same time, he misses well. The, they just weren't through the uprights, right? Like they had chances. Yeah. He just missed them. Well, and, and the, the thing is, coming off of Gabe Burkich, like he reset the bar for what a kicker is yeah. at Oklahoma in in the modern era. Sure. Like Austin Seibert was the height of kicking at, at you know one point, and then Burkich came in and he's like hitting fifty yarders, like like their routine. Yeah, they need a guy, and I think Zach Schmidt. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think that he might have struggled more forty yards and in. Yeah, some chippies. I think that's right. And that's where you need to shore it up. And especially when you're talking about, you know, all the games that they lost by three points, the four games of the seven that they lost by three, shit like that matters. Yeah. But they were aggressive. Like, I, I, told, I was talk, talking to you about this, I think. It's, it, they were really good overall on special teams a year ago. For the most part, they had a couple fake field goals that worked really well. They had the fake field goal in Ames. They had the fake field goal in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, it worked out for them. But they need to be even better. They need to take another jump, uh, you know, as far as getting really good players out there on coverage teams and stuff like that. Who do you guys think uh, is going to be the returners? Is, is Drake kind of the penciled-in guy at, at punt return? And I wouldn't be surprised if all Gavin Freeman ended up doing it. Oh, I'm going to look like an idiot because I said in the mailbag I thought for sure it would be Drake. What about Farouk? He's the guy that we always underestimate. Well, I just – I don't think you want to put your, your – I mean – you have Mims, Mims back there. I just, I don't know. I'm always I know where cautious. you were going, but I'm always cautious. Yeah, I'm now, always kickoff cautious. Kickoff return, that. like I so, I so wanted to ask Demarco Murray, like, is he is he against running backs being on kickoffs? Because it's, it's I think kickers are so good now, and it's not really you, a factor. It, yeah. It's kind of one of those things. Like, where do you weigh returning a kick versus just 
taking yeah, the, taking it at the twenty five and they, going on. I thought you know back when uh, Trey Brown was here, they'd put him back there on certain occasions, and he made some game changing. Yeah. I mean, I think oh, it was a, a kick return can change a game. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, here's just, the thing. I mean, Lincoln basically gave up on returning. Like mm-hmm. he just wanted the ball back, and it was nice to see Brent come in and actually be a little aggressive on special teams. Like. Have that Frank Beamer mentality where you can win games with special teams. And I think Britt believes that he's always been a special teams coach and a kickoff guy. Like Just what look at South Carolina and what they did a year ago. You can still win games in special teams. Yes. I mean, they did it against Clemson a year ago. Yeah. The one guy I will say do not put back there is Billy Bowman just because if he gets Don't hurt lose on, him again. Yeah, on a yeah. kickoff, it's just like, what are you doing? You yeah. know, let, let Freeman do it. Um, you know, let... I, mean, I don't know Caleb Hicks or you're not playing Smothers to win, George. Or, you're playing not to lose. I, I just I just worry about putting some of your your. I mean, if, especially at receiver when you really don't know what you got. I wouldn't put Farouk back there either. But that's just me. I think you have enough skill guys that can go back there and make a play that you don't want to lose a guy like Farouk off that. It it all depends on you know the you know, special Andy, teams Andy, because they become a winning factor. Yeah. And, and I know, if it is, you got to take that risk. I know Andrew Anthony's been working at it uh, in practice. That's another guy, yeah. Uh, Peyton Bowen was phenomenal at it in high school, right? But he's very good. I just and maybe that's maybe you put him back there because he's a freshman. But that's another guy that I'm like, man, I, you really don't want him to get hurt because I think he's going to end up playing a major role. But I don't know it's something to watch because it, it, they do have to replace a guy like Mims on punt return. And then who 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 returned kicks last year? Was it um, well, Marcus Major did? And, and did Bowman still, or did they take Bowman him off did until of he got hurt? Yeah. Um, golly, I mean, Eddie. I thought Eddie's I thought too, Gray was back there. I'm looking. Eddie's I, too busy worrying about catching the, downing the the kick. He didn't pay attention to who's running it. Well, back. That, that that is fair. I'm looking to see. I had video of who the guys were that were working at it on Friday when we were out at practice, and I don't know if I can find it, but it. That all of those guys that you just mentioned were back there. Yeah. Does Xavier Worthy return kicks for Texas? He did because he had the famous uh, fumble on the one in the the comeback game. Oh yeah. He did his freshman year. I don't know if he did last the year. The one for that Texas. Caleb Kelly ripped up yeah, away from him. I believe that was Xavier Worthy. But he did run it eighty yards before he <laughs> yes. had it ripped out. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, Brennan Thompson, could he be a candidate with his? Speed? Yeah. He's he's a guy again. They have they have bodies there that I think you. How about Petaway? I mean, I, I don't know if he was a guy that did that in high school, but uh, when you talk about Seems somebody to with have speed, the shake and the speed, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's again. I, I you have options there that I wouldn't put guys like a Farouk or Bowman or even Stoops. I mentioned Stoops earlier. Maybe he'll let Freeman do it this year. But the thing we don't know about that is you know how sure-handed are they? Like they yeah. can be fast and all that stuff, but just because you're fast doesn't mean you can track down balls. Specifically. Talking about punt return, these were the guys that were out there on Friday. LV Bunkley Shelton, Andrell Anthony, uh, Drake. Peyton Bowen, Drake, Billy Bowman, DJ Graham, and I think Gavin Freeman. That's a lot of guys. Trying to they find should, them. It's they should send them all, camp, put them all the out guy. there. Put yeah. them all out there. So you can do it? Just put, no, at one time. Put, do you guys, you guys put think all you six got, of them back there. Do you think you could, do you think you could catch a punt? Uh, I've often thought about this. It's been one of my dreams. For them to end practice early, and they pull a reporter out to catch a punt, <laughs> and it's for, you. you know, for a, you know, it's the guys aren't going to have to run after they get practice, to run or, yeah. or they get like, or they get the day off or whatever, or something, like they do it. over at NFL camps. And I, I could, I can catch a kickoff. We've seen that, 
the punt, I think the punt's a different animal. The problem with the kickoff, though, is you start, you ended where you started. You didn't have to, like, track it. It just came right to me. Oh, it came you. right to me. Yeah, 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 yeah 100%. I will say, I think uh, Marvin Mims is going to be the Broncos' starting punt returner this you year. You know, so. going, just going back and logging all the games uh, that we had on film from last year, he was really damn good. He, there, were, there were a couple times that he almost, like he had those returns of like 15 to 25 yards it where almost broke. it's just yeah. one guy away. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's sad because when Lincoln was here, he never let him return it, but... We kind of figured out last year. We kind of, it was a reminder last year. Oh, yeah, he can return punts. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I mean, Brent is out there working those guys' asses off on blocking. I mean, he just is. That's how he is as a coach. It would be kind of interesting to see if they get after a punter every once in a while. It feels like it's been forever since they've blocked a punt. Yeah. Uh, OU Texas, right? Not this last year, but two years ago. The well, comeback. they had a punt blocked last year. Yeah, didn't Aguebu? Didn't Aguebu have one? Did he? He might. Have. I really that can't remember. Right. That's two. I think it was two years ago. Okay. But, but you're I, right. But yeah, special teams was a a big factor last year for them. And they it, overall, I would you know say it got a passing grade. I don't know if you want to give a letter grade to it, but I think that they were solid enough. B. Yeah, like B minus maybe even for yeah. the the missed field goals. But uh, it's the one of those problems. There are so that, many other problems with the team. Special teams got oh, yeah. very little attention. Sure. And you know, if and they did give up some long kickoffs. If you're talking about special teams, you got to talk about replacing Casey Keller. I mean, he was kind of a mainstay mm-hmm. at snapper, and that's one of those things that is truly never a problem until it is. Who's I'd, the holder? It's a great question. Probably wasn't Turk the holder last year. Turk yeah. was the holder last year. I don't know if like Plaster would be it or Elzinga would be it. You know, I I didn't even notice uh, when they were Davis practicing. Bevel? People lose their mind. <laughs> I would say you're the one that takes all the Justin Fields pictures. Justin Fields or Justin uh, Broyles? Talking to George. Oh Inciting yeah, riots. Hey, I'll, I'll say this. I think Justin Broyles is going to be a great. No, it was coach. Bob that did one the other day, wasn't it? He might be. A, I think Justin I Broyles will be a great football. I'm coach. just not going to comment. Well, no one. Well, this is the YouTube comment section. You don't have to worry about it. It's a I just i I don't know, man. I think that it would be good for Justin, and I think it'd be good for the Oklahoma program to maybe just like not have him be around the program for just a year or two. Just like I think <laughs> it'd be. He, I mean, he just is good for as everyone's sanity. As every, I get he's it. Not but like, playing. I know, but it's just like I don't. Luke Elzinga was holding on uh, Friday. Well, there you go. I don't know. I that might be a bad take. I just think it's one of those things that like for everybody's and it's. I like Justin. I just think it's for everybody's mental sanity. It would it wouldn't hurt to just like just to clean the palate a little bit. Yeah, I mean he's clear the palate. Been around the program forever. I don't know. Also, he's he's just a volunteer coach. Coach. I I don't know if we ever cleared that up, but uh, he's not like a full time GA or anything. And Brent kind of talked about that the other day too. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back to it. Uh, more coverage coming. Uh, lots of stories still out there um, that the guys are writing. Lots more YouTube content. Uh, and uh, uh, also, um, don't forget SoonerScoopStore.com. Uh, we are uh, all. We are starting to ship again. We're we're set up and 
Uh, I've got to fix the laptop. It's, it's being wonky right now. But, um, yeah, go check SoonerScoopStore.com. Uh, we've got pretty much everything in stock. Uh, Eddie and I are going to go through and kind of take stock of inventory and all that here before the season gets going because we know a lot of people want to come by. We've had people stop by uh, wanting to pick up a hat or a shirt and uh, – Never bad thing. So uh, to see you guys and meet you, Eddie had a fan, uh, a DoorDash, DoorDash delivery yeah. driver today. That's right. You got you got some love today, which was that's nice. right. It made me feel good. It made, it, I hold off. He didn't ask for one a more hug day like before the I Amazon ended. driver did with me, but you know, nobody's keeping score or anything. Well, then it's a million to two. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back again next week for another edition of the unofficial forty podcast from SoonerScoop.com.